everyone and welcome to the Imaginal Space podcast. My name is Catherine Perry. I'm the host of this podcast. So if you are new, welcome. And if you have listened before, welcome back. Today's episode, we are going to be taking a look at the aura of a recurring dream. And I always love looking at the aura of my dreams, the auras or doing dream aura healings. I'm really in love with this series because There's so much medicine, there's so much wisdom, information within our dreams, and it's always just so much fun to look at. You know, it's a lot of fun to look at not only the story of the dream, but also the colors and the archetypes and all of the energies and how that comes together to create this multidimensional narrative where we can ultimately learn a lot about ourselves. You know, a dream, dreams are just incredibly powerful mirrors And because they can be, you know, sometimes nonlinear or bizarre and also make a lot of sense at the same time, it's a lot of fun to just pay attention to our dreams and to kind of crack the puzzle, if you will. So that's going to be today's episode. But before we get started, I like to take the time to just close my eyes, take a couple of deep breaths, set my intention, um, call in, you know, whatever it is that I want to call in to support me, just set up the space. So If you want to just close your eyes with me to, you know, set your intention, you know, what is it that you want to call in? What is it that you want to focus on today? Um, We are going to do that. And I do this all the time. So I kind of have the process nailed down. But if you need more time, just feel free to hit the pause button and we will get started. So I'm going to close my eyes right now, take a couple of deep breaths, and then we will get started at with the dream. Okay, perfect. Let's get started. So most of the episodes, I believe, on the within the dream or a healing series thus far have been recurring dreams or, yeah, I'm pretty sure most of them have. I'm not going to say all of them because I can't remember, you know, every single dream I've ever talked about, but I would say most of them are. Um, and when I say recurring dream, not all I would say not every single dream within like the, I guess, group or the, yeah, whatever dream is the recurring dream. Every single time I have it, it's not necessarily exactly the same. So, but there is usually some sort of constant that does connect all of the dreams where I'm like, okay, that is definitely a recurring dream. So it could be anything from a person. Um, I've had a certain person, you know, show up in a bunch of different dreams. And I'm like, wow, the person that's like the constant, you know, that person's always there. And maybe the feeling, you know, the person and the feeling I get around them, that's like the constant, or maybe it's simply the feeling that is the constant, you know, maybe the setting is always changing and then the person's changing, but the feeling that remains the same, you know, across all of the dreams, or in this case, it's a person. Yeah. This case, it's a person and a feeling, um, 
I've had one where the place remains constant. And then sometimes the characters, I say, I don't know, they're, they're, they are real people. So, um, but I guess within like the realm of like storytelling and the imaginal space, the dreamscape, they're kind of like characters because they come together to create this very, very interesting dynamic and narrative. But yeah, the place will stay the same, but the, uh, the characters or the people will change. So for me, a recurring dream, it just has to have one constant that kind of connects them all. And this dream, I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. The person and the feeling, it's a very unique one. Um, actually, let me give you some background on this one. So this is a recurring dream that I've had for months. And I really wanted to record a podcast episode about it because I thought it was so fascinating. But my only issue was I was like, I really don't get it. You know, there are some dreams I, you know, I wake up, I don't necessarily get them, but once I start recording and remembering the details of the dream, it becomes very clear and everything falls into place. And even if I don't get it all right away, because I do believe that, you know, within any aura reading or anything that is healing different dimensions of love, different dimensions of, you know, the dream of the aura are revealed to you over time. So, and that's what's so beautiful about them. It's kind of like, they release love when they know that you need it. They release the medicine when they know that you need it. And for this dream in particular, I kept on running the dream through my head. And I was like, wow, this makes actual zero sense to me. And I'm not sure what to do with it. And I felt so blocked with it for a really long time because, you know, usually what I would do about a year ago is I would just journal. I would kind of journal in the way that I'm talking to you right now, and I was dying to record a podcast episode about this, but the only block there is, you know, podcasts are, I mean, everything that I record, it's like medicine that I need, right? But there is this element of kind of entertainment, and even just the understanding that someone out there may be listening to this, it you feel like if you've ever hosted a podcast or, you know, written anything or, you know, I don't know, you know, something of that nature, you feel like it has to make sense on both sides. You know, it has to make sense to me, you know, before I can even begin, you know, to have it make sense to somebody else, you know, and that was kind of blocking me for the longest time. And you know what? I never know, you know, where podcast episodes are going to end. You know, they're never scripted. I just, I kind of look at the aura and I'm like, I know what's up. Like, And then I just kind of let it lead me and guide me, you know, to where it needs to go, you know, which I'm like kind of seeing like, you know, medicine is so multidimensional. And so I feel like this was also very, very important um, just to realize that, you know, if anything, I just know once I start talking about it, everything will fall into place. But it's kind of like that. I don't know that not like a fear Maybe it's a little bit of like a control thing. Like, I really don't know where this is going. And I don't know that I know even I don't even have an inkling, you know, as to, you know, how this is going to turn out. But maybe this will make more sense. So the details of the dream have varied, you know, across the different dreams, but the feeling and the person has stayed the same. So the main character, if you will, of this dream is my sister, Claire. So um, she's my favorite person in my entire life. Um, I love her to pieces. You know, she like we're only like two years apart. Um, she's so inspiring to me. Like I said, she's like 
love of my life. I I just love her. Anytime I think of her, I'm like smiling. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I miss her so much because we don't live in the same country anymore. Um, and I'm like, I wish I could see her and you know, just like hang out with her because she's literally my best friend. My be- She's my sister, my best friend, literally everything, right? So that's how I feel about her, you know, just in this waking life. But what was so fascinating to me and like very perplexing for a really long time was I was really angry with her in the dream. And so every time I would wake up, I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't feel that way about my sister. And I've said this before um, on the, you know, within the dream or a healing episodes, what I really like to look at more than anything else is the core feeling of a dream. So no matter what, Um, no matter what kind of recurring dream it is, no matter if like maybe the place, you know, there is a dream I definitely want to do an episode on where the place is so consistent that that probably has something to do with the dream more than anything else. But I still pay attention to the feeling, even if the feeling feels, (laughs) even if the feeling feels like secondary to the story, I'm always paying attention to the feeling, right? Um, so this dream is no different, even though it was, they have always, always just involved Claire, my sister. They've all, it's like, I've always been like angry or I've always been incredibly upset. And for the longest time, I was like, I have no reason to ever be upset with my sister. You know, again, she's one of the most inspiring, beautiful, loving people that I know. She's so generous. She's so empathetic. She's so caring You know, I can see that in her friendships, just the way that she interacts with people. Again, it really, really inspires me. And we've had like, I don't know, I feel like less than just because I can't remember, you know, when we were younger, we probably had less than 10 fights total in our entire life. And I only really remember like two of them, you know, one from when we were small and one from like a couple of years ago. And that's it. You know, we get along really well, you know, so there's usually like there's no I've never been like angry at her in this, you know, waking um, third dimensional experience. I've literally never been angry. So that's what confused me and really threw me off for the longest time. Like I've said, I've had this dream for months. Like I think I, you know, first really started paying attention to this in September, you know, and it would pop up periodically. And it just came again the other night. And I was like, I need to start really paying attention to this, you know, because I 100% believe that if you have a recurring dream, it's highlighting some sort of pattern. And I've noticed, you know, especially with some powerful dreams that have been, you know, consistent with me over the past, I would say two to three years, when I change something, you know, in this like third dimensional reality, the dream does change. And that's so much fun to pay attention to how the dream changes over time. I have had one dream that, yeah, I think has been with me for at least three to four years now, but let's just say three, I think four might be pushing it a little bit. And again, the place has remained consistent. Some of the characters, you know, they pop in and out, um, but there are some consistent characters that are within the dream. But when I would change something that was connected to the aura of the dream here, the dream would change, you know? So that's why I pay attention to them. I think, again, they are just so fascinating. And ultimately, it's just a lot of fun. You know, it's a lot of fun to look at them, you know, no matter what you believe about dreams or, you know, what you believe about, 
you know, what it is that they can tell you. It's just, it's always just like fun to look at something different or kind of get like a different perspective or a different lens on yourself. So I knew this dream was providing me, it had to be providing me like just a completely different perspective than I'm used to because the way that I felt about her in the dream was so, so contrasting and so different. So I really sat with this, you know, all yesterday because I was like, okay, it's time to actually really just clearly this dream. It's not the same as the other ones there. And because of that, you know, I was just like, maybe I'm just completely blocked. But I was like, maybe just pay attention to whatever it is that you may be blocking that you just do not want to look at, you know, because anytime... Again, like I said, when I look at an aura of like certain things, everything kind of just clicks. And even though I don't have the words to describe, you know, what the aura means to me yet, I can kind of just look at it and I'm just like, I know, I just, I know, you know, it's like a feeling or just a knowing where I'm like, I know that this all will come together. And when I looked at this one, I was just like, I feel blocked. And so what that usually, what I'm realizing is that if I look at something and I'm like, I don't really, I have, I can't read, not that I can't read it, but I don't get like an immediate impression. Yeah, that's a good word for it, impression. Then there's something that I'm blocking. So I was, I just really sat with, okay, how did I really feel? And the best word at the time I could come up with was angry. I was really, really upset. And the first thing I realized that I needed to do was to kind of stop trying to make sense of why I would feel this way and really just sit with the feeling and exactly what it is before trying to like, or don't even try to make sense of it, just kind of be there. And that was incredibly powerful for me because, you know, I love a good challenge. I love figuring stuff out. I love like learning. I love like patterns and like different puzzles of this nature. I love like looking at the different dimensions of the dream. Again, the characters, the places, the feelings, you know, the symbols and, you know, colors and like whatever else. And kind of put them together to like, again, create this, you know, beautiful multidimensional narrative, this multidimensional medicine. But this one, again, it just wasn't coming together in that way. So I was like, let me just sit with, okay. But again, and this is where, you know, it's very interesting to me because the main color, I'm not going to tell you what the archetype is yet. um, But the main color of this aura is blue. And I believe the blue episode has been released by now. So you know a little bit about it. If you haven't, just like go give it a listen. But blue has a lot to do with balance and balancing different forms of truth. So it's kind of like I have my truth and you can have yours. And even if they are 100% conflicting, they can exist in the same space. So I kind of sat with just the color blue for a little bit. And I was like, okay. What had been tripping me up for such a long time was that I was like, how is it possible that I could be so upset, you know, with Claire in the dream, but I love her so much, you know, and I could never be upset with her, anything that she does in this waking life. So first I had to sit with that and realize that, you know, there is it, but that is exactly what happened. You know, I'm still having this dream. So there's just something going on that I just don't, you know, completely see, right? So I'm sitting with that. I'm sitting with, okay, you know what? Don't even try and make any sense of it. But this is, it is what it is. You know, you're really upset with her, like in this plane of existence. And then you couldn't imagine being possibly, you know, that upset, you know, because let me tell you, it was a really strong feeling. I only record the dreams on this podcast 
podcast where it's like, it has to be a really strong feeling. It has to make like such a strong impression when I wake up. Um, that those are the ones that I record, you know, the ones that leave like a huge impact or again, the recurring ones or something like that. Um, something that I'm like, Ooh, I definitely want to like dive deeper into this. So that was the first part, you know, kind of sitting with two seemingly, you know, contradictory truths. And that's the power of blue. You know, it helps us understand that it's kind of like a, it is what it is, you know, sort of color, you know, you felt that one way, you know, here, and then you feel, you know, another way here. And those two contradictory feelings can exist, you know, within one person, within one vessel. So instead of trying to be like, well, what's going on there? You know, just sit with that and be like, okay, this is exactly what's happening. And then let's work from here. So once I was like, okay, I was definitely like angry, upset. Then I was like diving deeper And I realized, you know, I originally wrote down the word angry, you know, when I was like writing about the dream. And then I really thought about it and I was like, you know what might be kind of tripping me up here a little bit? I don't know if it was anger specifically. I mean, that was like the first thing I could think of. Um, But there are a lot of emotions that you kind of think, or at least me, maybe because I'm I'm not like a therapist or anything like that. So I don't necessarily study emotions or feelings for a living, but I'm sure that, you know, there are some emotions that we think are one thing or we feel something and we think it's one thing, but it might actually be closer to something else. And the other problem is it wasn't in this waking life. So sometimes it's hard to pinpoint if you're trying to think back on a dream, which is why I always try and record them right when I wake up, because that's, you know, when it's like, it's super fresh. Um, But I was thinking back on it because it's very specific in a very intangible way. And I was like, I don't think you were really angry at her. You know, you might've been really upset, but what would be the root of that? And I was like, okay, so maybe I wasn't angry, but maybe I was like resentful or possibly even jealous, you know, in a way. Um, But I mean, and so when I kind of, it it was like, it's like a mix, you know, it's not, usually I try and distill it to like one feeling, but I realized that, you know, I might've been like really, really upset and maybe possibly angry, but I think more, if anything, what would be underneath that is yeah, resentment or just like jealousy and jealousy is not, has never been one of my problems control for sure. Um, I'm super sensitive. So sadness. Okay. Yeah, sure. But anger and um, frustration. Um, I've definitely been frustrated before. I mean, we, we've all experienced everything, but anger and jealousy have never been one of my, you know, big problems, at least not here. So that was also interesting because I was like, I'm not really an angry person. I don't really know where this is coming from. But again, just sitting with it and letting it be, you know, exactly what it is really helped me. So That was the first part, just accepting like, you know, it might be a little like a hodgepodge. Is that the right? I don't know. Like a mix of different emotions that you are not necessarily used to. But, you know, hey, that's like the fun of dreams. It reveals different dimensions of you that, again, you're not necessarily used to. And so I was like, okay, if it's a combination of maybe anger and maybe like resentment, what what could I possibly be 
you know, resentful of my sister for, especially right now, because that's the other thing. You kind of have to keep in mind the context, or not the con. well, the context, yes, but when, you know, when are the dreams popping up? And I was like, okay, well, the first one came around like, it was like uh, September, it was early, early September. So I think it was like September 7th or something like that um, of this year um, that I can remember at least because I have a bunch of dreams just like recorded that I haven't necessarily, you know, whatever. Um, But that can be incredibly powerful and just informative even just to pay attention to when the dreams are popping up. You know, I know people like to pay attention to, you know, when certain dreams pop up with like the moon, but I like to always pay attention to, you know, what, what's going on in your life right now? And is there some sort of pattern, you know, to, as to when you also had other instances, experienced other instances of this dream? So what's going on right now that's kind of consistent with what was happening in early September? Okay. So, and you know what, 2020 has been an interesting year for everybody. So it's kind of, and it, it can be, it has been an incredibly frustrating year. So sometimes it is also hard to pinpoint, you know, who, well, what could this be about when so many things are so uncertain and so many things are so up in the air. But then I realized, oh, wait, there definitely is a pattern here. So, and when... I would say when emotions are so strong in a dream, it's usually not something, you know, teensy weensy that's like bothering you. And I feel like it's like an overarching theme. And I've also noticed that, you know, the bigger, it's not like certain dreams are more important than others, but sometimes the deeper, um, well, what would that be? How would you say that? Sometimes the deeper that you need to go within yourself, like, Okay, for example, I pay a lot of attention to dreams that either are just around all the time or I really pay attention, though, to dreams that involve family members, if that makes sense. You know, so it's not like any dream is like more or less important, um, but there are some of like that have probably very, very specific or significant messages or very, very deep medicine And I feel like those often involve family members. So anytime my dad's in a dream, anytime my mom, anytime my mom's in a dream, I'm like, got to look at you. Um, And I've talked about one of those dreams before, one of those recurring dreams um, that actually a feeling connected my, I had a dream about my mom, my dad, and my sister, a sister, I've only got one, my sister in the same night. And the feeling is what connected them. I really enjoyed recording that. Um... But yeah, so anytime a family member is in a dream, I'm like, definitely need to pay attention here. So let me, uh, yeah, let me start introducing the archetypes. So the first one that is in this aura is the offering. The offering has come up before in other aura readings. I gave a brief introduction to it um, in the introduction to blue episode of the introduction to aura color series. So I've talked about the offering before. And if there's anything that this dream has taught me is that there's no there's no there's no right or wrong way to interpret any of the archetypes, right? However, 
it's very, very important to be present with, you know, any medicine that any archetype can bring us at any given moment because it might change. So I interpreted the offering before as, you know, just a question of, especially within the context of the blue family that has a lot to do with, you know, number one, really developing a relationship with what your truth is and, you know, what does that really look like? You know, all that good stuff. So once you kind of develop a relationship with your own truth, you know, that ties into the offering in terms of how can I offer my full self as like a channel for my own truth? Okay. So just keep that in mind. That was my original interpretation of the offering. And like I said, there are There is no right or wrong way, you know, to receive information from an archetype, a card, whatever. But depending on how the card, depending on where the card is in the aura and the different cards that it's like, that it's being surrounded by and it's interacting with in the aura, and also depending on the focal point of the aura, in this case, it's the dream, different dimensions of the card are revealed in different ways. And so I realized that the offering is not just about, you know, your gift, you know, or offering your full self to the world. It's also about like, it's kind of like um, an offering in terms of like a sacrifice. So I do believe that is actually one of the original synonyms of the offering card. Um, If you've ever seen or if you own it or like whatever, In the guidebook, there's like, you know, the main name, which is like in this case would be the offering. But then I think a couple of synonyms are like the gift or the sacrifice or something else like that. So I was just like remembering that for a second. Um, But the off, so the offering in that context is it's asking you to kind of release something. It's like, what can you kind of give up, especially, you know, for the sake of like a bigger picture? Because The offering is right next to the comic and the comic is one of those cards that does ask you to take a look at the bigger picture. So anytime I see, so when I saw the offering and the comic, I was like, you know what? The offering might take on a different sort of meaning here because the comic is, you know, all about like not getting caught up in like the minutia, not getting caught up in like the details of your own life. And being able to take a huge step back, you know, and finding the humor within life and not taking life too seriously. And a lot of that comes from like just having some perspective and, you know, being able to take a look at the bigger picture. So that's kind of where that flavor comes from is the comic in combination with the offering. So I was like, okay, so basically releasing something like kind of like a sacrifice, not in like a super serious way. Again, the comic, you know, not taking everything too seriously but something needs to be released for something, you know, in or, or think of the offering in this context as something that needs to be released in order for you to really offer your full self. And that medicine is tied into, for me personally, my sister, you know, within the context of this dream. And what's interesting to me about this is, you know, when I was first playing around with the deck, And I was just learning about it and learning about its energy and its personality and its like different flavors of medicine. I did this fun thing where I just pulled like a card for each one of my family members. And the offering was the card that actually did come through for my sister. So I found it very interesting that, I mean, it makes sense, right? 
the offering came through for my sister, just like as a person, you know, when I was originally playing around with the deck. And then it comes through again when she is the main character. Well, she's a real person, but yeah, um, the main like person, the focal point of my dream. So I was like, okay, it's like doubly, you know, saying the whatever the medicine of the card is, it really has to do with the story and my relationship with my sister on some level. So it's really time to kind of hunker down and pay attention. So I was thinking about it all yesterday, not all yesterday, mostly in the shower, you know, because whenever I'm like around water, I feel like we all have like deep thoughts, you know, when we're in the shower, you know, we're like alone, the water's running, you know, water is incredibly medicinal. It's so soothing, you know, it's warm, you know, all that good stuff, you know, especially where I am because it's freezing. Um, so just having like that 20 minutes of like warmth, I'm like, ooh. Um, but yeah, it was just like, in the shower, like, what is it that I could possibly, you know, be upset, um, resentful? Um, how, why would I be feeling that way towards, you know, Claire? And then why, what would I possibly need to give up? And then it kind of clicked and it's clicking now, you know, even as I'm talking about it, it is, you know, whatever, you know, remnants of anger, jealousy, resentment that I have to give up. And, So then it started like falling into, you know, kind of just falling into place because like I said, I don't in consciously, let's just say consciously, consciously never been upset with her. Not really, not never, but like I said, probably less than 10 times, you know, in her entire life because I'm the older one. Um, but the dreams, I'm not a dream expert, you know, this is just like fun to me. Um, but the dreams do represent about a lot about the unconscious, you know? So why would I unconsciously, you know, just, why would I be so upset? And then I kind of, everything just got clicked together and I was like, aha, you know, and like, you know, I was just like, I kind of got it. So the dream appeared, it's probably appeared a couple of times, but from the time that I wrote it down in my journal and then the time that I received it now, I was like, what could I possibly be like? What's causing me the most tension in my life right now? And it has a lot to do with like work and career. So my sister and I, even though we grew up in like the same family, if you have siblings, um, you probably understand that even if you grew up in the same family, you're very, very different. Um, I, like I said, love her to pieces, but yeah, we are very different people and it's, we shouldn't be the same, you know, that's not, we we shouldn't necessarily be the same or like, you know, carbon copies of one another just because, you know, we grew up in the same family, you know, we are, we are our own people. We have our own souls. We have our own spirits. You know, we, we have our own things to do in this lifetime. If there's one thing that I've always been like kind of jealous of, you know, with Claire is that, she had, it's kind of like she has her offering figured out. So the offering does take on both meanings, you know, within this context, you know, she's very, she is crystal clear, you know, when it comes to everything with respect to what she wants to do in this lifetime, um, in terms of like work career, you know, she just, she has her clarity, you know, she went into college knowing exactly what she wanted to do for the most part. I mean, and Here's the thing. We are flexible human beings. Um, Things do change over time. It's not like she nailed it. It kind of feels like she did, but it's not like she got it 
um, right on the nose. You know, it has varied a little bit, you know, because she's like refined, you know, she's becoming more of a refined woman every single day. It's so beautiful to see. Um, but yeah, it has shifted a little bit, but, you know, it hasn't gone from I want to be a doctor to um, I want to be like a professional like lacrosse player. It hasn't changed that much. So we had pretty different experiences with that. She went in with more of a clear vision, you know, with respect to what she wanted to offer and what she wanted to do in this life. Whereas when I went into school, um, very different. I went in uh, in undecided. I started in my school of like arts and sciences. And then and then later I transferred into my school of engineering And then, you know, after I graduated, I was like, I don't know how much like computer science and engineering is for me. And that's like a whole separate story. But just to give you the context on how, you know, different that was. And, you know, there and here's the thing, you know, there is a lot of privilege, you know, in even being able to go to a private college, you know. Um, So then there's that layer, too. But that I I just always want to acknowledge that. But anyway, um, before I keep talking about it. But that would be the main difference between us. So I was like, how I was like, what could Claire possibly be highlighting in me that has to be such a huge like source of like tension? Because like I said, the feeling in this dream of what I labeled as anger and there was a dream or a healing I did surrounding the feeling of frustration. And this was different. And again, I dug deeper and I was like, I think it is like a little bit of resentment and a little bit of jealousy. And then that's when everything clicked in there when I was able to admit that. Because of course, you know, of course I would love to be, you know, like her in that respect and just kind of understand, you know, what it is that I want to do for work, what it is that I want to do for career. That would be great. You know, because for a lot of, for the longest time, that really... Uh, I'm trying to think of another word for like tripped me up. You know, that was really confusing for me. It was confusing. It was frustrating. You know, I would have, there was like a point where I was just like, I feel incredibly lost. And I'm not saying that I've got it all figured out now, not by any means. Um, But I'm thinking of like, you know, those really, really, you know, tough moments where I was like, I would give anything just for like an ounce of clarity and oh, clarity, Claire, oh, that was not funny whatsoever. Um, yeah, but I was like, I would give anything for just like a little ounce of like clarity in terms of, you know, with respect to the cards, what my offering is and how I embody it. And it, I was just like, and now I'm thinking back and it's like, well, Claire just knows, you know? And again, that's very, for me, that's always been, I've always admired her for that. You know, I'm like, you just like came in here you know, you went into school um, and you just kind of know, and that's, you know, amazing. And it's not, again, we're both like young, you know, it's not like she might not even end up, you know, in the career that she chooses now, but, you know, I can only work with what's present. So, you know, in this present point in time, she kind of went in there, she had like a pretty good idea of like what she wanted to do. And that is, you know, and For her, just like seeing how she was able to just pull everything together, whether it was like, you know, internships that will support her career path. Um, She's like applying to like grad school, which I'm like, that's so cool. 
um, you know, consciously, I'm like, that's amazing. You know, I can't wait to see her graduate and like go to her graduation, you know, because she's again, come, we both have, and you, but it's like, it's different. If you've ever had like a younger si- like sibling, you're so proud of them. You like, you love watching them grow up and I'm just like gushing over her. Um, but like, you know what? She means a lot to me in like a lot of, you know, different ways, um, for a lot of different reasons. Um, but she is like the world to me. So I love, you know, seeing her, you know, grow up and I can't wait again to see her graduate. And like, you know, just at, that is like a marker of just like the incredible young woman she is now. I'm like, oh, my heart is like melting for her. Um, but anyway, back to like the dream. I didn't real and I didn't realize until yesterday, this dream that I thought made no sense at all makes the literally the most sense in the world. And that's what I love about dreams and wh- why I like look, why I really, you know, why I really love looking at them because sometimes, I mean, dreams reveal a lot about what we already know. Like I already knew that this was so frustrating to me, um, incredibly frustrating. You know, it's been a source of like tension in my relationships with my parents um, because at the end of the day, I mean, like, again, living with my parents has been interesting, you know, just because 2020, um, you know, again, that interrupted so many people's plans. You know, I was supposed to do, you know, X, Y, Z at the beginning of 2020, then Corona. And then I was like, oh, I can't do that anymore. That's just like so far out of the, uh, question. Um, but like those things also happen in their own way, in their own time, you know, possibly for their own reason, whatever. Um, But yes, that's where, but now you have, I mean, I didn't really, and here's the other thing. The feeling in this dream was so intense that I feel like when I have such intense feelings in a dream, it is really trying to grab my attention. And it's not like I was unaware that this was like a big thing in my life, but I just didn't want to talk about it because I was like, I just don't know what to do about it. You know, that was very, very frustrating for me because you know, not fully understanding, understanding my offering and understanding just like what it is that I want to do. That was really, really frustrating to me. I can't even, I can't even put into words how frustrating it is, but the dream did kind of condense it into this feeling. And when I tell you it was so intense, I woke up like sweating, like Jesus, or my bad. Um, Like, I was just like, geez, I can't believe. I'm just, I was like, I was so glad that it wasn't real. Okay, it was one of those. And I woke up just feeling like confused, but also just like, you know, you know, when you wake up from such an intense dream with such an intense feeling and the, it's like the feeling didn't match the, when I woke up and I was just, I was very confused. But that's another element of this too. You know, I was really confused by this dream in general because like I said at the beginning I was like Claire means everything to me I love her I could never be upset with her and so this is where it gets doubly interesting so the offering which again it does it's the main aura of this dream and it does it is connected to my sister it did appear in the personal section of the aura so and this is again where everything started to make more sense I realized that I wasn't angry at Claire. Claire didn't do anything wrong. Okay, let's be real. And this is where sometimes we need that kind of reality check. 
And then things did make more sense because I was like, I could never be angry at Claire. Claire didn't do anything. You know, the offering, again, connected to Claire in this dream, appeared in the personal part of the aura because I was angry at the part of myself that just hadn't figured this out yet. You know, and that's why, you know, dreams and then the people within our dreams, they are incredibly important. You know, they are incredibly sacred, potent, powerful mirrors, and they really just speak for themselves because, again, it's not Claire, you know, it's not her fault that like, you know, um, X, Y, Z is happening in my life, you know, and there is no, and if there's anything, if anything, she's reminded me and brought me the medicine of there's no right or wrong way to live your life. You know, we all have our own thing. And that's a part of the comic too. The comic has brought me so much medicine, so much love and so much relief and perspective and understanding and even just compassion for myself, just in understanding that we all have our thing, okay? We're all human. We all have our thing that we kind of like wish was maybe a little bit different. We all have things that frustrate us. We all have things that are like confusing. We all have our thing and this just so happens to be mine. And, you know, have you ever heard of like the um kind of the ideology that, we are all kind of born into the wrong family for a reason. I don't know if that's 100% true, um, but I've heard that before. And I always thought that was interesting when people would say that, you know, to say that we all kind of feel like we are the black sheep in our families for, you know, one reason or another. And that's kind of like our learning curve. That is our growth's edge. And, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if that's true or if it's not, but I always thought that was an interesting perspective because you can do with that what you will. You know, you can be like the victim, I guess, and say, I was born into the wrong family and, you know, my family doesn't love me. And I did that for a very long time, by the way. So I, I 100% get it. But if there's anything, you know, she's taught me is that, you know, it's all relative, you know, and we can all like, I guess, sing our like swung songs or whatever and be like, oh, woe is me or whatever. But she reminds me, and this is what I was saying earlier about how, you know, we are just, we are all very, very different and we all have something. And again, that's the energy of the comics. So my thing just so happens to be like career. That's always been, you know, something that I guess I always, I was like, it doesn't come as easily as it seems to for Claire, you know? And that's, again, where the jealousy and the resentment, you know, within the dream, you know, could possibly come in. There's just so many different layers. And that's why I'm like, oh, it's so fascinating to look at. Um, but then there is this added layer. And usually I don't talk this much about like the details of the dream. But anytime my family comes in, it's usually like a there is like a deeper message there. And like sometimes the family dynamic is important to both of my parents. Career is like it's so important. It's such like a, there's such a heavy emphasis of like finding, you know, your place in the world with respect to like career and work and how that, you know, makes you a free independent person. That's a career and the freedom and independence and self-sustainability that comes from career is so important in my family. And again, everybody has their own values. That's a huge value in mine. Um, some other, like for just a simple example, 
some families really do value like family and relationship. Like I have a friend and she reminds me of this too, actually. So like my best friend um, from my hometown, her family is very different. It's not to say that they don't value like career. They do. But what they value over anything else is marriage. So and this is why I love this example, because you, and this helps a lot with the comic. This helps a lot just in terms of having some, you know, just a monochrome of per- perspective. Um, But she like we're we're different, you know, Um, she's like my best friend, but you know, we are very, very different personality, you know, life experience, even though we came from the same hometown, um, we kind of went our separate ways, you know, after, you know, we graduated high school and then like you know, Corona kind of brought us back together, you know, so I'm always very grateful for that, that I've got to spend, you know, time with her. Um, But yeah, we are very different. We come from very different families. So relationships have come up, everything, again, everything with like a grain of salt, everything with perspective. But I would say I look at her and I'm like, career has come and like work and like figuring that out has seemed to come easier for her. And then she looks at, and we've had this conversation before. And then she looks at me and she's like, relationships come so easily to you. And I wouldn't say that either one of those are true, but that's what it kind of feels like when you feel like you're missing something, you know? So when I'm like frustrated and I feel like I just can't figure out what my offering is for the life of me, you know, I look at her and I'm like, how has this always come so easily to you? And again, it's like highlighted. She's just highlighting it for me. And it's only troublesome to me because that's a huge value in my family. Whereas she's looking from the other side and she's like, man, you know, relationships just like come so easily to you. And I'm like paraphrasing here just for the sake of example. And that's a huge value in her family is relationship and marriage. You know, my family, you know, when you like not maybe not this year and Thanksgiving has passed anyway, whatever the holidays in any normal year you would come home, you know, for the holidays. And there's always like, you know, people are always joking like that when they come home to their families for the holidays, their families ask them, "Uh, are you in a relationship? Like, when are you getting married? And I'm probably just like, it's probably because I'm too young for that. Um, You know, at this point in time, I guess. Yeah, kind of still too young for that. Um, But yeah, they go home to their families and their families are at least asking them, you know, are you in a relationship? Why not? Are you still single? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. My family has never asked me that when I have come home for the holidays Uh, because that's just not a core value. When I come home for the holidays, it's like, what are you doing for work? Or when I was, you know, in school, it was like, how's school going? It was never about my relationships. It was just like, okay, what are you doing? If I was in school, it was like, what are you doing in school right now? What do you want to do for work? You know, or, um, in during the summer, like, what do you want, what are you doing for like an internship? Like, what does that look like? Never, ever, ever about relationships. That was never the focus. And so when people literally said that they would be kind of like attacked and like their family members would like pounce on them and ask them, you know, what are you, um, like, where are you in terms of like relationships? Are you single? Are you not? I'm like, I was like perplexed. I was like, my parents have never asked me that in my entire life. My extended family has never, you know, asked me that. No one. Okay. That's never been a thing. And it's always been more heavily, you know, based upon 
what are you doing? And basically in terms of, I'm using air quotes, like you're offering, you know, what is work, what is career internships, whatever. It's always been about that. You know, so all of that is to say that with the comics medicine specifically, it reminds me, especially in conjunction with the offering, we all have our thing. This just so happens to be mine. And that's why the comic is so important because it does invite you to have just like a little bit of perspective that no matter how frustrated or, yeah, no matter how frustrated you might feel or confused or whatever, that's, we're just human, you know? Like all humans have that about something at some point. It's not to say that it lasts forever, but we've all been confused. We've all been frustrated about something. We've all kind of been in that place where we don't kind of see, we just don't see how things quite fit just yet. We've all been in that place, you know? And that's what the comic does. It, it's just like kind of take your head, you know, out of your butt a little bit and remind yourself that everybody has something. Like, even though in this dream, I'm like looking at my sister and like, I'm just like so angry. I'm just like, oh, I want to shake her or whatever. Um, we all feel that way about something. We all have a thing and this is yours. And the tension is really brought out because again, it's a value in my family. But that's like, everybody has something like that. And in that way, they're all neutral. You know, you think that like, um, for example, it and- when I say neutral, I mean, it's like, it's very impersonal, you know, it's not personal to you that, or it's not like, no. And this is again, perspective. Nobody's like attacking you for not having this figured out. It's just like a value of theirs. And so people, when they value something or they feel so strongly about something, they're like, okay, where are you at with this? You know, or that's what they want to talk about. Or that's what, you know, if your parents really value, like my parents, again, really, really value career you know, so of course, you know, if I don't have that thing figured out, they're just concerned because that is something that they value, you know? So that's the offering. Oh, and let me get to the second part of the offering. So there's a lot of, a lot of layers. And that's, and like I said, there were very powerful emotions in this dream and there's a family member. So it is a very powerful dream and it is very personal. Um, so, you know, there is that Claire is highlighting, my sister is highlighting, you know, something that I'm just really frustrated about and something that I feel is so far outside of my control. So she's not only highlighting that for me, but again, the offering and the personal part of the aura just represents that I was never angry at her. I was just angry at me for not having this figured out in the same way that she does. You know, so you can like phrase that however you wish. I could say I was like jealous. I'm like resentful, you know, unconsciously, you know, in the sleeping world, you know, I'm jealous, I'm resentful, I'm angry, you know, with her, you know, for whatever. But really, it's just me being mad and frustrated with myself that I can't control this aspect of my life. So that's the first part of the offering. The second part, which I touched upon earlier is, you know, what is it that you, the offering is, again, it it's the gift, but it can also be the sacrifice. So what is it that I really need to give up here in order to, you know, really give of my full self? And it would actually be this. So 
all of these feelings of anger, resentment, um, well, I would say anger being, so I would say I have to give up being angry at myself for not having this figured out in the same way as she does and then give up, you know, my resentment and my jealousy of her, you know, for basically the same thing, you know? So that was really interesting to me because it just reminded me that you can't stay stuck in this venom forever. So the venom is actually a card, you know, in this aura. It's all the, I said all the way over there, like you can see it, um, but it is all the way over there. Um, the venom, yeah, that's, it is an archetype in this aura. And the venom, I know you haven't heard this episode yet um, because I can't, I think it's being released in like 2021 and I'm probably going to release this in 2020. But the venom is everything that I was just talking about earlier where we all have our thing. That's just another way of saying we all have our own venom. And the venom is a part of the opal family. So opal essence, rainbow in a nutshell, is, you know, really radiating your multidimensional beauty and accepting all parts of yourself for for this, you know, very unique, very vibrant multidimensional expression. That's opal essence. And opal rainbow is incomplete, you know, without the venom. The venom is a very integral part within the opal family because what it asks you to do, I think the venom, the venom and the shadow actually um, are both within the opal family. The shadow is not in here, but just to kind of give you some more context, the venom is one of those cards that you need to integrate and understand in order to really explore and embody your multidimensional radiance, you know? So, and then, oh, and then we have the mystic. So now like all the cards are kind of coming together. Um, so with the offering, I said, you know, you kind of need, it's kind of like saying, the offering here, what it is that you kind of need to give up, it's not the venom period because, again, all of these archetypes, they are within us. You know, it's not something that you can get rid of. And that's why I love the venom within the Opal family because it's not saying get rid of the venom. In fact, the venom is needed, you know, for you to shine your light or whatever. <laughs> I said, I was like, I can't think of a less cheesy way of that to a less cheesy way to say that. But it is, you know, owning your venom in the same way. And that's why I like brought up the shadow because I think the shadow is much more widely recognized. Owning your venom, owning your shadow, that's what allows you to be like your fullest, most bright, most vibrant self is when you can really own it. And so that's kind of the offering. It's not, the offering is not about giving up the venom but it's changing my interaction with this venom. Because let me tell you, you know, we've all had, you know, our own thing to kind of deal with in 2020 in our own way. I'm pretty sure, I mean, 2020 wasn't like all bad. Um, it was, it was a lot though. Okay. It was, um, it was a lot. You know, I know people that have experienced, like we've all experienced you know, a lot of changes and a lot of shifts. And the storm is actually in here too. Um, the storm is like the card of like clearing, you know, things away. Or, um, you know, what's interesting about the storm though? So the storm, when we, when we experience the storm on like a personal level, the storm is one of those cards where it's like, 
The storm has come as a result of whatever is going on in your life. It doesn't just appear out of nowhere. So for me, you know, this dream, you know, full of anger, resentment, and jealousy, that is the storm. You know, that is my storm. And the storm is here to basically, it's a here as a result of me ignoring and trying to suppress this venom for such a long time. And I even did it a little bit with this dream interpretation. You know, anytime this dream would come up, I'd be like, that's not right. I'm not upset with my sister. How could that possibly be? You know, I would kind of suppress it and ignore it. And so the storm is brewing and the storm is within the green family, you know, so green is a lot about healing and, you know, becoming your own healer. And, you know, and what's so interesting about the storm in the shared part of the aura it's reminding, so each, well, I'm doing a whole series on this. So like, I'll, maybe I'll just talk about that another time. Um, but let me just say this. It really does matter where the archetypes do appear in the aura. So the storm, especially within the healing family of green and, you know, what, and really revolutionizing, you know, what does healing really mean? Think of the storm in the shared part of the aura to say like this dream this dream is a reflection of the storm that is literally within your being and you cannot ignore it anymore. You know, the storm is everything that I've talked about. It's incredibly confusing. Everything that you know, like everything that you know is like stripped away from you. Everything that you think are facts, everything that you've ever relied upon, it's, again, it's just removed from you. So that's why I, like I said earlier, you know, when I was really taking a deep look at this dream, I was like, I can't rely on what I know because that is blocking me. You know, relying on this, you know, quote unquote fact, I could never be mad at Claire for anything. That's what needs to go, you know, because clearly, you know, there's something going on. And for me, that was ignoring the storm. Me saying I could never be mad at my sister. I can never be angry. I can never be jealous. I can never be resentful ever. That the storm was just brewing and brewing and brewing, you know, and What's so interesting about the storm, it's kind of like the great equalizer. Again, we all experience the storm in some way, just in the same way we all experience, you know, all of these archetypes in some way, shape or form. And, you know, the storm, it can stir up a lot of, you know, different kinds of feelings of like confusion, anxiety. Um, Sometimes, you know, during when we're in the midst of a storm, we can't like think or see straight, you know, you just kind of have to wait it out and sit with it. And that's what this dream was calling me to do, you know, especially yesterday, just like sit with it and just wait, wait for the downloads to pour in, wait for the genuine, just like information to be channeled through you. And then you will know exactly, you know, what the dream is. So, you know, even though the storm can be confusing when it's in its light, it's meaningful, it's clearing things away in a meaningful way. You know, when it's in its shadow, you think it's just like kind of like, meaningless, you know, chaos and disorder and it's very dysfunctional, etc. And so for me, you know, looking at everything and how it's all coming together now, the light expression of this was just sitting with, you know, what is the storm revealing about, you know, what's happening in it, my own life and how does that bring its own flavor of healing? You know, again, the storm is a part of the green family, so it is like its own flavor of healing. And again, the storm 
the storm is there to kind of the storm is like chaos and it is disorder and it's like you know the whirlwind right um very very interesting experience but it is here to rebalance us no matter how chaotic it is and again the storm is like it's a result you know of all of the different like precarious conditions it's not the cause of them so when the storm does come in to heal and to rebalance us, the chaos, the storm is not the cause of the chaos. It's a cause of the chaos that already exists. And this, for me, has been incredibly chaotic, incredibly confusing, um, all of the things. So I love the storm with green because, like I said earlier, you know, in terms of going back to the offering, going back to you know, what it is that I might need to give up. It's not giving up the venom. It's not, you know, making the venom going away. It, In fact, it's not suppressing it anymore. It's shifting my relationship with the venom, you know, in order to kind of heal the storm and then rebalance the chaos a little bit. So right across from the storm, also in the green family is the mystic and the mystic is associated with transformation. So I love the mystic because what it does is the mystic kind of like the shaman in a way is not afraid to look at the darkness, you know? And for me, the way in which I interpret darkness is darkness is simply love that has not come into the light yet. It is the love that has not been revealed yet and so the mystic is unafraid to go to, you know, those dark and shadowy places and reveal the love that exists. And that's it. And now, like, it's really bringing everything together. So it's the mystic and the venom go really well together because, again, the venom, the venom is not a bad card. It's not a negative card. We all have venom within us. And I've said this before in so many podcast episodes because the venom is so near and dear to my heart especially as a part of the Opal family, how you treat the venom is what matters. You know, how you interact with the venom is what matters. And so the messages of the mystic and the venom really echo each other. Again, if you treat the venom, if you suppress the venom, if you don't pay attention to the venom and you kind of let it fester and you kind of let it grow and then it's like not uncontrollable, but it kind of gets to a point where Again, not that you can't manage it, but you're just like, I don't know what to do with you. You know, I don't know what to do with you. I don't know how to develop a relationship with you. I just don't know what to do. That, it's just like, what do you do after that, you know? And so what the mystic does with the venom is it gives you the opportunity to transform your venom into an opportunity for healing. And again, and integrate it into your being and just owning it. You know, that's what it is. It's not control or managing it. But it's getting to know it so you can really integrate it as a part of you. You know, again, Opal. Integrating. Opal is a lot about owning the multidimensionality of our being. You know, all the light and all of the shadow, you know, in order for a full, you know, vibrant, radiant expression. And the mystic really helps us to do this. So I really love when green and opal come together because it does have a lot to do with like, healing different parts of the self that you need to own. So that's what I was going to say. It's not about managing or controlling the venom. It's about owning the venom as a part of you so it doesn't own you. And the mystic really helps with that. So again, the mystic doesn't, 
fear the darkness. The mystic isn't scared of the darkness. It sits in it. You know, it's present with it. And it understands that darkness, again, it is potential love. It is love that has not, it is simply love that has not been brought into the light yet. The mystic understands that there is love in all of these uncomfortable places, you know, from the storm to the venom to any other cards, you know, within like this archetypal family. The mystic is not, again, it's not uncomfortable in darkness. It's not uncomfortable in mystery. You know, it it dances, you know, between the light and the dark, you know. I never really thought of the mystic as a liminal card, but it is. You know, like I said, dances between the light and the dark, you know. It transforms the darkness into the light by revealing the love that is weaved into the darkness. So one of the reasons, again, your dreams do reveal a lot about you. They reveal a lot about your unconscious, but I feel like one of the reasons I didn't really look at this dream for such a long time was because there is there was a lot of darkness in it and I didn't understand it. And I'm really glad I finally took a look at it. And honestly, you, you look at different things, I believe, at the right time. It was uh, the offering came through in a recent aura reading you know, with another person that has been so prominent um, and has had a huge presence in my life lately. And they actually gave me a lot of insight as to what the offering might mean. And I was like, okay, I think I'm finally ready to really receive and face the medicine of this dream. And so that's the mystic. You know, again, the mystic is not afraid to look at its own darkness, look at the darkness of other people, and again, realize that it's just love in its potential form. It's love waiting to be transmuted. It's love waiting to be transformed. And in that way, you know, the mystic isn't a part of the indigo family, which is, you know, it's like the visionary family. But the mystic is in its lightest form, you know, does remove the darkness, does reveal the love, remove the darkness. Um, And it is a visionary. You know, the mystic is also like the dreamer. You know, the mystic to me is the dreamer because it is aware of the love that is woven into every single aspect of this world. And as a visionary, it holds that higher dream, that higher vision of just not being afraid to look at love in all of its forms, you know? So that's the mystic. And again, very, very important here. And the mystic does appear in this shared part of the aura You know, so what that tells me is in order to really receive the most love from this dream possible, I need to interact with the mystic, you know, and kind of channel the mystic's energy, embody the mystic, especially when trying to understand the storm and the venom. And then we have two or we have three more cards here that I actually haven't even mentioned yet. Um, Let's start with the cave. So the cave is in the collective part of the aura. Actually, you know what? The cave and the eternal child. Those are both in the collective part of the aura. So the cave is the card of going within. It's the card of really getting to know the soul, getting to know the spirit. And what I love about the cave, especially in conjunction with the venom, the storm, the venom and the storm specifically, is it does remind you that there is a lot of darkness within the cave. You know, you might have your candle that you're using to, you know, navigate the cave and there might be, you know, some places where some sunlight can kind of shine through. You know, I don't really know what your cave looks like. I've only been in a handful of caves in my entire life, but it can be incredibly dark in there, you know? 
But the cave, it's a portal, you know, it's a really it is a place of a lot of power, you know, it really allows you to get to know yourself and find this new sense of compassion and self-understanding, you know, even though it is so mysterious, it's like your sacred center, you know? So that's exactly, you know, what this entire, you know, dream or healing has done for me. It has brought me to, you know, this different place of compassion and, you know, self-understanding. And especially with everything that I was talking about with respect to the comic, and the comic and the venom, you know, we all have our own thing or we all have our own venom. We all have our own storm, you know, that brings like healing and then allows us to integrate different aspects of ourselves. You know, at the end of the day, the storm is incredibly chaotic. It is it can be incredibly uncomfortable and it's not something that you can ever control. You know, I think that's also the important part. I've got a lot of I would say control is like my biggest shadow so, you know, a lot for a, re- a reason why I didn't like looking at this for a long time is because I was like, this is completely unmanageable. This is not, this is so far out of my control. You know, it's not even funny. I can't even, I can't control what I feel frustrated by. I can't control, you know, again, yeah, being frustrated by this, you know, being upset that, you know, this is not going in my ego's way. So I don't know what to do, you know? And I, I guess I felt like I was like running out of options in like a weird way. But again, it's not about controlling what's present. It's about your relationship with what is present, you know, and that does connect to the eternal child. So the eternal child, um, it's an incredibly spirited archetype. But the main message of the eternal child here in this dream, it's very accepting. You know, when you're a child and like speaking of which, and I thought this was very interesting Every single time my sister would appear in one of these dreams, she was always a child. And I always thought that was very, very interesting because she was always younger. You know, she wasn't the 20-something person she is now. She was always like 10 or younger or something like that. And I just made a note of that. I was like, did you notice that every single time you have this dream, she's never her present age now? She's always a kid. I always thought that was so interesting because for me, when I look at a dream, every single little detail, it matters. So, you know, she's been a child in every single one of these recurring dreams. And then, of course, you know, the eternal child, a part of the orange family. The orange family is all about creativity and co-creation. Um, so, I, oh, you know, what? there's like a little interesting element there, you know, within the collective aura. I've definitely heard this before that when we are, you know, interacting with each other, when we are co-creating with each other, have you ever heard that like every person you interact with, you're kind of interacting with their inner child? I always thought that was so fascinating. Um, But maybe, I mean, maybe that's like a call to something else. I do find it interesting that it is the eternal child and not necessarily the orphan. And, you know, sometimes I think about, you know, these, there's eight cards in this aura. There's eight main energies. Whenever any energy shows up in an aura, aura, I'm like, you're meant to be here. But it's also interesting to think of cards that are similar that didn't show up. So like the venom is kind of similar to the shadow a little bit, but the venom showed up instead of the shadow or the eternal child. It's not similar. It's kind of opposite to the orphan a little bit. 
but the orphan didn't show up. You know, the eternal child did. And so what that tells me is, that tells me a couple of things. But in, I do find it interesting that the eternal child showed up and not the orphan. And what I do, you know, kind of, what that does represent to me is that it's kind of saying you don't have to be the wounded child in this situation. You know, you can kind of grow out of that. You know, the eternal child is a very fun, it's very creative, it's a very spirited energy. You know, when Claire and I were were children, we would play like a lot of like, uh, what is it, like make-believe, like imaginary games. You know, that kind of thing when you're a child and like the the eternal child is like non-judgment. You know, it does bring forth that energy. So when you are a child, if you had a sibling, you know, and I feel so lucky to have one and you're like playing with them and you're interacting with them, you're never judging what you're doing. You know, you're never judging like, oh, you're playing this like imaginary game. That's weird. Um, or you're painting this this way or you're coloring out of the lines this way or you're baking this in this way, you know, like you just you accept everything for exactly what it is. And that is the magic and the creativity of the eternal child. So the eternal child does it does represent our inner child in a lot of ways. And I really love the eternal child, the inner child, because it is it is a very creative card because it is about going beyond what is possible. It is about going into the impossible. And that's why I was like saying everything about, you know, children just have such brilliant imaginations. They have such vibrant imaginations and their imagination is like their golden ticket into the unknown, into the into the impossible. But what they do is they transform it. You know, speaking of like the mystic and the eternal child a little bit, the eternal child brings this alchemy of transforming the impossible to the possible and the unknown into the known with its creativity, with its imagination. I, I don't know. Uh, it just, it brings this like fun and this levity kind of in the same way to the comic, um, to this dream. But there's definitely like a special connection there, you know, with Claire always appearing as a child in the dream and, you know, just the inner. And so if you kind of, you know, look at, you know, so remember what I said earlier about how, you know, the offering appearing in the personal part of the aura and how, if anything, I was angry at, you know, and then so basically Claire in this dream represents an aspect of myself. Um, and so there's like a lot in here just woven in here about caring for my inner child that I honestly did not, you know, fully understand, you know? So I've definitely heard before that we need to speak to our souls. We need to speak to our spirits with the same care that we would speak to a child or that we would speak to our inner child. And I know there's a lot about like inner child healing and, you know, how that's like a big practice for a lot of people. I just didn't realize that was such like a huge dimension of this. It was only when I was thinking back and I was like, hmm, she's always like a maybe like 10 or younger um, in this dream. So that's also something interesting to think about. And the last card that we are going to be talking about today is the healer. So the healer does appear across from the venom and what it reminded me was that, and I think this is like a good place, like close sort of, I don't know. Sometimes I like 
don't finish when I say I'm going to. It reminds me that healers aren't perfect. You know, all healers, we all have the healer within us and then we all have our own venom to heal, you know? So again, healing, the healer is, the healer remembers, you know, the healer not only remembers who they are, but they remember whom everybody else is too. Oh, okay. Um, So I just like got a little download there about like the healer and the inner child, the eternal child. Um, so, like I said, the healer remembers, you know, who they are and they remember whom everybody else is. And, you know, they continuously remind everybody. And that is the, so the healer is the part of us that remembers. And that cool little download, you know, was just about, you know, remembering that, you know, we are multidimensional beings and that we are in a lot of ways our inner child. So, I mean, I did talk a lot in the beginning, I'm not going to like reiterate it about like my family and like what my family values and, you know, how I kind of felt out of place in my family, or I guess you could say, quote unquote, felt like I was born into the wrong family. You know, that, that does have a lot to do with the inner child. Um, But I think, yeah, the healer in respect to the eternal child just reminds us that you know, a part of our multidimensional being, we do have this little inner child, this inner little one that is within us. And we do have to be, you know, just aware of how we interact with it and aware of our relationship with it, because that is where our creativity comes from. That's where our spirited nature comes from. That's where our magic comes from. That's where our joy and our playfulness comes from. And so, you know, the personal part of the aura reflecting to me that I was getting mad and I was getting angry and resentful, you know, at my inner child, the healer just calls me to remind me that paying attention to all of these different dimensions, all of these different aspects of self, it's all really, really, really important. Um, But yeah, back to what I was saying about, you know, the healer and the venom in particular, Healers aren't perfect. You know, we all have the healer within us um, and we are all simultaneously perfect and imperfect. You know, we all have unconditional love within us and we are all human, you know, and we all have our own venom, you know, that helps us to heal ourselves and to heal others. You know, we all have our own venom from which we can create our own medicine. And, you know, the cave and the eternal child that helps us to accept all aspects of ourselves as we go deeper, you know, as we learn about our own magic, our own, you know, love and our own alchemy. Because like I said earlier, you know, with the mystic and the storm and the venom, this dream was, you know, quite dark, you know, for me, you know, thinking about being really upset, you know, with my, I guess the childhood version of my sister, you know, that was something that that was just a narrative that was really uncomfortable for me to look at. Like, why is this showing up unconsciously? You know, what does that mean? And it was just as uncomfortable to kind of look at, you know, those aspects of, and again, the, the orphan does translate to the wounded child. So the inner child and the wounded child are a little bit different. And again, still find it very interesting that the wounded child is nowhere to be seen, you know, kind of as the eternal child's like, I don't know, sister, brother, whatever, um, gender non-conforming sibling, um, whatever. But um, if anything, with respect to, you know, the offering, 
and what needs to be given up. And again, giving up not necessarily the venom, but my relationship to it. I feel like that, if anything, with respect to the healer and the inner child, that will do wonders um, just in terms of rebuilding that relationship with my inner child and getting that like joyfulness, that playfulness, that magic back. Because again, like I said, figuring out my offering has been the most stressful part of my life, part of my 2020, part of my life, you know, before 2020, honestly, you know, I think we can like point at 2020 for a lot of things, but this was something like far, be- like far beyond 2020. Um, but yeah, just um, with respect to the healer and the inner child, all of this, all of the medicine really does, you know, come together to say, if you can kind of give up, you know, and really, and maybe give up, uh, release. Let's just say like, if you can really let go and really release, you know, the your relationship to the venom, if you can really integrate it, if you can, you know, really integrate the darkness and, you know, embody and channel the mystic, the storm will pass, you know? Um, if you can kind of, again, have that larger perspective with the comic, the storm will pass, you know? Um, and then there is this element with the cave of, you know, going within and exploring the different dimensions of self. Again, I don't really, I haven't really done much with the inner child, but now, especially after this, I want to pay attention to um the inner child and the wounded child and see how those kind of come together because the wounded child is within the silver family, um, which I find very interesting. And I really love that the inner child is a part of the orange family because a lot of that is where you create from. And again, orange is all about like creativity and co-creation, etc. Um, But I really enjoyed talking about this dream. There were so many, you know, layers and elements to this dream that I didn't even realize were present. And so if anything, I know this was like a very kind of personal episode, a very personal dream. But if there's anything, you know, if there's anything, you know, I wish anybody would like kind of get from this is, you know, especially echoing the message of the cave. And by the way, the cave appears as yellow. So yellow is has a lot to do with personal power, um, self-confidence and just being in knowing and being aware of exactly who you are. Um, yeah. And the confidence and the empowerment that comes from that and owning every single dimension of you. Um, so that really goes, the cave goes really, really well with opal. Um, the venom slash that appears as opal, just in terms of really getting to know yourself and owning your vibrancy, and your multidimensional beauty, um, those two mirror each other really well because the cave does get you, give you the opportunity to find the sacred center from within and really knowing and understanding all of these, you know, different dimensions and aspects of yourself does give you that confidence. So the cave, especially with respect to the mystic, the storm, the eternal child, the healer and the venom, um, the cave and the mystic, you know, not being afraid to visit those dark corners of yourself, the cave in the storm, not being able, nor not being afraid, you know, to be able to kind of face the storm and the darkness and the chaos, you know, head on 
in order to receive all of the healing it has to offer. Again, the storm is green. Um, and then the cave and the inner child, you know, all of the healing creative power, the co-creative power that comes from really paying attention to your inner child. Because like I said, and now I'm like, now it's like really coming in. This, if anything, and it kind of, again, the form of the dream matters, but this is an inner child dream if I've ever seen one in my entire life. And the offering and the eternal child really go together because it's kind of like, again, once you give up, you know, all of the kind of frustration and, you know, all of the anger and all of the resentment, once you give that up, you will be able to offer your full multidimensional radiant self. And you will be able to really tap into the creative power of the inner child. And so again, if there's anything, you know, that I would want anybody to take away is to not be afraid to, you know, look at all these harder places like the venom. Um, and again, we all have, we all have the healer and the venom within us. Um, it's not, we all have the full spectrum of the archetypes within us. You know, we are all perfect and imperfect at the same time. And if anything, the healer and the venom, they are such a dynamic pair. I really, really love, um, those two together because it reminds us that whatever it is that we have to heal within ourselves, it's kind of like an offering to the collective, you know, swinging back over to the offering. So I can't wait to kind of look at this dream after, you know, this recording and see, you know, what it does just in terms of like amplifying and understanding, you know, the inner child, inner child healing, creativity, you know, what does that mean for me, you know, and really spend some time with the eternal child. Um, but yeah, just remember, yeah, but at the end of the day, you know, just like from a huge, like a wider perspective, this dream, even though it is deeply personal, anything that we think is deeply personal, it's also simultaneously impersonal at the same time, which is cool. You know, inner child healing isn't just for me. It's for everyone. You know, the dream very specific to me, um, the people in the dream, very personal to me, the message of the dream you know, just in terms of, you know, X, Y, Z, very personal to me. But the messages of, you know, we all have our thing. We all have our own venom. We all have something that confuses us and frustrates us, et cetera. The medicine really just speaks for itself. You know, I don't even have to like detail it because again, we are all unified within this experience of being human. And that's what the archetypes do. And that's why I enjoy, you know, looking at the archetypes and the aura colors because, they have, they describe the human experience, they describe the experience of the spirit, and they allow us to really connect to one another in a very special way. You know, the archetypes are simultaneously personal and impersonal in that we all experience them in our own way. We all have a relationship with them in our own way, but they are also for everybody. You know, no matter where you are, you know, what you look like, how you identify, what you've experienced, you know, whatever, all of those labels, the archetypes are timeless. You know, they transcend space and time in the same way that our medicine does, you know? And so that's why I always love translating, you know, dreams, you know, or any other aura healing into like archetypes and into color 
because they do transcend space and time. So anything that, you know, comes from them, you know, their medicine, it's not unique to me anymore. It's for everybody. And, you know, that's always, you know, the point is that, you know, the cave and the eternal or yeah, the cave and the eternal child do appear in the collective aura. And the collective aura is special. So this is this will be the last thing. Um, the collective part of the aura reflects to me how the subject of the aura appears just within the collective. So and how it appears and how it shows up and how it brings healing for the collective. So my very, very personal dream in this case, the way that it shows up for the collective is it brings this medicine. It, it is the cave in the inner child. It brings this medicine of really going within and reminding us to pay attention to our inner children. So that is like the universal message. Um, everybody, I mean, everybody can relate to different dimensions, different aspects of this aura reading, but that is the main message for everybody to be paying attention to. You know, again, the archetypes don't just belong to me. They belong to everybody. And so the message of really going within, really finding confidence and really and power in really owning the different dimensions of yourself, the different dimensions of this experience. And a big part of that being, you know, paying attention to your inner child. You know, how are you speaking to your inner child? How do you interact with it? What is your relationship with your inner child like? You know, how do your dreams reflect that? How do your day-to-day interactions reflect that? That is the medicine that the dream has, you know, within the collective aura. And I think that's so fascinating. So um, thank you so much for listening. I really, really enjoyed looking at this dream. Like I said, when I first looked at it, I felt like I was just extremely blocked. I was like, I I don't understand it whatsoever. Um, but that's what talking does. And well, for me, you know, um, talking is like a big thing for me. My voice is a huge source of medicine for me, you know, if you couldn't tell. Um, So it's very important for me. But that's just another thing, too. If you don't understand something right away, um, maybe you could be blocking yourself from something. But there's always love underneath, you know, especially with like the mystic. There's always love and healing everywhere, whether you perceive it as dark or unacceptable or shadowy or just like, I don't want to look at it or just doesn't want to make sense. Like I said, the inner child, the eternal child does bring this energy of non-judgment. So that's also really important, too you know, with respect to the universal collective message, approaching the different dimensions of your cave and exploring your cave, exploring yourself, exploring your spirit, your soul, your sacred center within, explore it with the energy of the eternal child, explore it with non-judgment, explore it with acceptance, you know, finding the love, finding the magic, you know, wherever it is, even if it's somewhere extremely shadowy, or maybe you're in a cave of crystals, or maybe there's like a little pool, or maybe there's like an area with some sunlight, no matter what area of the cave that you are in, explore it with non-judgment and be amazed at what you find. Explore your cave with the energy of the eternal child. You know, if I explored this dream from the get-go, from the expect, from the perspective of the inner child, the eternal child, from the, like the, um, the perspective of playfulness, you know, acceptance, magic, love, maybe the messages would have come to me easy or much easier instead of judging, because that's exactly what I did. When I first started, I judged. I was like, that doesn't make sense. That's a form of judgment. 
That's not me. That's a form of judgment. But I don't understand this. Judgment, 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 judgment. Judgment everywhere. Um, so I really love, yeah. I really, really love that. Explore every aspect of your being with not non-judgment and just see where it takes you. So thank you so much for listening. I want to close this the same way that I came in or close this the same way that I opened it. Now, same thing. Close eyes, take a couple of deep breaths, you know, say thank you. I always say thank you to, you know, my spirit allies, you know, anything that came through to support me and to bring me love and just like always creating a safe space. I always say thank you. Um, release whatever it is that I want to release and then we will get going. So I'm going to close my eyes right now and I will see you on the other side. Thank you so much for being here today. Like I said, I really enjoyed this. Um, if you could rate, review, subscribe, that's very helpful just in terms of podcasting. This was a very beautiful dream or a healing. And I will talk to you sometime soon. <laughs>